Hey, this is Joseph Zala, and this is Grits and Grits, a weekly discussion with restaurant and beverage industry designers and professionals on all things creative. Thanks for tuning in. All right, Grits and Grits listeners, today we have Travis Ledoux from Mast. Uh, you may know some of their work for Anchor Down, Tanoshi Ramen. Uh, we definitely have shared a lot of it on Grits and Grits, so it's uh, a pleasure to have him on here. Uh, Travis, why don't you uh, say hi and explain yourself? Hey, thanks for having me, first and foremost. Absolutely. I am um, the principal and art director of Studio Mast out of Denver, Colorado. Um, been doing this for, for quite a while now. Um, but yeah, our studio is, you know, we have quite a few focuses, but we um, really love working in, in restaurant branding. There's so many, uh, so many touch points and so many possible outlets for the design to go um, that really excites us uh, as a team. Awesome. Yeah. Love us some Denver. Um, it's really interesting. We have a number of clients up there that here at Vigor we worked with, um, View House being one of them and a couple other ones that are directly related. It's a great city and I think what's really cool, maybe we'll get into this in a little bit, but the opportunity to get into the edibles uh, market is quite uh, vast right there right now. Um, you know, that's definitely something on our radar. I would, I would love to design something that is uh, <laughs> in that realm. Um, so, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, the restaurants and having all those opportunities. I think what's interesting is a lot of startup restaurants and even some um, brands that have been around for a while, they fall into this idea of, okay, we have a name, design us a logo, and we're just going to slap that around. So. Uh, obviously, that's not the right way of doing things. Um, how do you begin to combat that mentality with your clients? Um, is it from the beginning? Is it just they already come primed? Uh, how do you, how do you uh, approach that? Well, thankfully, we kind of have um, a little bit of you know an ace in the hole with us because we have a lot of restaurants on the site already, especially with um, you know doing so many that um, we can kind of point to those as examples of saying, hey, here's your you know here's how a system works for uh, a restaurant, you know, it doesn't have to just be the one logo and that, you know, gets slapped on everything because that gets pretty old pretty quickly. Um, so we can show them a system and how it works and they are almost expecting that when they get it. Um, there are certain projects where, you know, a brand will be more and more restrained. Um, Bar Fausto is one, for example, for mm -hmm. us that um, is more of a restrained brand. Um, but at that point, there's a, you know, there's a word mark, there's an, an icon that we use. But then we, we developed a full typeface, um, and that actually starts to bring a voice into the brand itself. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So looking at that project, we, you know, um, we brought in that typeface to bring in you know, different sayings throughout the bar and things like that. Um, the, the bar is based on an old cyclist named Fausto Kopi, um, mm -hmm. who had this, you know, propensity for the outlandish you know there's photos of him in the tour de france you know smoking mm -hmm. cigarettes and you know drinking beer while in the race so um they kind of wanted to have this um this nod to him without explicitly saying hey this this bar is based on fausto copi which i guess i ruined for him now but um there's <laughs> photos of him there's photos of him up in the restaurant so um with that we kind of brought in this idea of this you know this overarching um person throughout it you know so it says Fausto says no alcohol beyond this point Fausto says this Fausto says that and little brand touch points you know with those sayings um, we brought in a little personality 
and you know some some legal things as well you know no alcohol beyond this point you know it, it's a nice little way to to update those signs that you know you need to have and you know bringing a little icon into that um, but then I mean looking at kind of the rest of the work it you know a lot of past examples inform new projects mm-hmm. um, so we're, we're lucky in that respect that people understand um, how it works and you know a lot of times it's there's not a whole lot of um, clients that come to us and say, hey, we just want a logo, you know. Right. Um, and at that point, you know, looking at some other projects that we've done, like Madrina, for instance, we just, um, we kind of did what we wanted and presented them with a bunch of different logos to be used. Uh, and that worked to our benefit. I mean, you can see on the door, uh, we incorporated that into a door handle. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they really took that and ran with it. Um, so there's a lot of times when people you know, we'll just say, well, we need a logo and we'll say, okay, well, this is, this is kind of how we work and this is how we develop, uh, brands. And then, you know, once they understand how the system works and how that can be beneficial to their project, um, you know, it's not really a hard sell at that point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when they have the, uh, the frame of reference for it. Um, Adrena is a really good example. Um, I believe we did share that one. So if you're listening and you want to take a look at it, um, we're going to try to get some of Matt's work up on the uh, on the recap from this episode. Uh, I guess maybe we didn't, but it's quite brilliant. Yeah, I like the way the uh, hexagon is in- introduced in a number of ways throughout the identity system. Um, you mentioned with Fausto um, actually tackling typography design and doing a whole family. And I think you did the same for Dos Santos yep. as well. That's that's a big ask. That's a big. Um, that's big. Uh, how, how do you, I mean, is that something the client said like, oh, hey, we would totally love our own typeface or is it just through exploration you find this inspiration to introduce that? And if you do, how do you even begin to sell that in as an, as an option? Because that's, no, that's not like doing an extra poster design. That's like, that's a big, uh, that's a big leap. Totally. Um, and, you know, the, we really that the design and the direction inform whether or not we developed a, uh, a full typeface for a project. Um, so I'll back up and do Dos Santos first. Yeah. Um, when working on that, we were, we were working with two brothers who had uh, opened a couple successful restaurants in Mexico already and wanted mm-hmm. to bring their idea of um, you know, Mexican street food to Denver. Um, mm-hmm. you know, put a little bit of a twist on it, make it a little bit more high end, but still have this idea of you know, this Mexican street food. Uh, so at that point, they had a lot of great reference for us. Um, they brought in some really great colors. Um, you know, they were saying they showed us great photos of, you know, the streets in Mexico. Everything's really bright and colorful. So we pulled some color palettes out of that, and then you know, they wanted it to be um, to feel a little bit more gritty. Um, mm-hmm. So what we did is we actually did some heavy research into uh, graffiti type. Um, they were really big on graffiti. They're really big on soccer, really big on, um, you know, a lot of Mexican culture, uh, okay. which was great inspiration for us. Uh, so what we did is we actually started uh, to develop the word mark based on that, um, you know, graffiti style type. Sure, and sure. at that point, we started using it more and more internally. Uh, for the takeout bags and for the menu and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. what we did is we actually worked and developed a full typeface in-house. Um, not as really an ask from the client, but as something that we did uh, to inform the brand. Uh, okay. So at that point, it was really just 
Um, you know, no one was really asking us for that. Um, so we just, we just did it and, you know, it worked out <laughs> yeah. for us kind of going the extra mile. Um, and most of the time really that's, that's kind of how it goes with, uh, custom typefaces, you know, sure. Fausto, we started working with that, um, and said, you know, okay, we're going to develop this typeface based on these, you know, 1950s style Italian storefronts. Mm -hmm. That's how the project started. And, you know, same, same mentality there. What we did is we ended up, we actually worked with a, um, a typeface designer and okay. um, built out that whole typeface. Um, because if there's anything I don't like doing, it's designing S's uh, from scratch. <laughs> You so, don't like S's, no. so that's your least favorite uh, letter. What's your What's your most favorite letter? Now again, this is a side side conversation, but I'm just interested. Oh <laughs> man, I mean, what's the easiest one to get through? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I I haven't done uh, typeface o. design since uh, since college um, yeah. on a like a grand scale. Um, but we ended it like there are certain letters that you know ends and things like that, and E's mm -hmm. and O's and things that you can really chop up and, and make into something else really easily, but uh, S's um, are not my favorite. Thankfully, when, yeah. we, when we developed the uh, Dos Santos type, it was a very, um, it may not appear that way, but it's, it's very gridded out. Um, mm -hmm. So that was really easy because we were within the, you know, the confines of this grid and we said, okay, how can we, um, how can we make this graffiti type feel you know, have that same feeling of the graffiti type, but be on a grid so we can use it throughout the system and it's not going to feel, you know, all wonky or disproportionate or, you know, um, not straight. So what we did with that and developing those S's is we brought in these, this kind of back slant with that. Um, mm -hmm. And throughout the whole typeface, you kind of have this back slant. Um, so thankfully, the S's were a little bit easier there, but um, <laughs> not so much on some other projects. So when we need to, we kind of get a good basis going on where sure. we want the brand to go. And uh, when we need to, we can bring in, you know, full typeface designers. Yeah, with that one specifically, um, the Z formation is interesting. Uh, I think maybe the most interesting part of that type family. On the Dos Santos um, one? Yeah, 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 it's really interesting. Um, personally, I, I love lowercase g's. I yeah. don't know why. They're pretty <laughs> red. And I think maybe because they are very intricate and they have so many different variations um, throughout history, uh, whether it's the standard descender or the, um, I'm going to look, I'm usually a type nerd, but I'm going to look really um, amateur right now or sound really amateur in that. I don't know what it's called where it has like basically the two circles that make up the g. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The descender is another circle. It has, it has such just an interesting look about it. Um, I love it. Um, that might also be your uh, the grits and grids might have informed that a little bit as well. The the love probably. for G's. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, it is funny. Like I feel like I break. Uh, maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe you agree with this. I break all my own rules when, or not rules, but advice. So when I'm when I'm working with a client. I'll, uh, the blank and blank naming convention is just mm -hmm. so over. And so I, I'll be explaining this knowing that I'm sort of not practicing what I preach, but I named Grits and Grids so long ago that I feel like I'm a little bit safe. Yeah. Um, but you were talking about, you know, Fa Fausto being so reserved. I think when there's nothing wrong with necessarily wrong with a reserved look and feel, when you do a custom type, having something intricate it would almost be a disservice to that typography especially when it's being introduced in market and 
with the typefaces that you've done so far, uh, at least that I've seen, they have these nuances that just, why why take away from it, man? Just put the focus on them, and, and you do. Even with um, even with the uh, Dos Santos identity, uh, some of the touch points are just simply that typeface, just breathing and being awesome and being allowed to shine. Um, I do think it's really interesting, the, uh, the introduction of uh, an Art Deco-made modern look with those posters uh, that were done. I think that just adds a unique touch. And I think maybe that's what starts to happen is <clears throat> even when you get into this idea of it's not slapping a logo on everything, it's really easy for designers to fall into the trap of replicating the family across touch points. And even that can start to look very flat and boring. Um, I think what I'm getting at is this, 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 these posters could have easily just been the same look and feel. It could have been that typography with a cute saying, which tends to be the go-to for a lot of folks these days. Um, but instead, you introduce this other style that really helps this brand shine. I think. Um, tell us a little bit about that, and 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 how do you how do you break yourself out of what would be a normal uh, go-to strategy, if if you get what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Um, kind of coming back to the honors here, they were. They're pretty instrumental in our inspiration, which was mm -hmm. nice because um, usually we kind of it. Sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get some inspiration out of um, clients, which is you know, um, <laughs> but it's not a you know it's not a bad thing. It lets us do a lot of internal um, discovery for the project and lets that inform it. But mm -hmm. with this, the the two brothers had um, such big personalities already and such um, understanding of what they wanted and what they liked mm -hmm. that. Um, it was really easy for us. So um, the one of the secondary marks for Dos Santos is actually based on uh, old style soccer um, like yeah. crests that you would see on a jersey um, with it with the two saints there. So we based it on on that. You know, let that inform a little bit of it because soccer um, is such a big part of culture in Mexico right. or football. If I'm being sure. uh, yeah. <laughs> culturally sensitive. Um, <laughs> So we we brought that aspect in and brought these you know these posters in um, of the soccer and of the bullfighting um, mm -hmm. things that are you know not really the biggest um, draws in Denver um, but really let that be like an, an information piece for for people coming in uh, mm -hmm. to the restaurant and saying hey like what's you know what's this about what are these. Um, and kind of drawing inspiration on, you know, that old style poster mentality or that old style posters style mm -hmm. um, that, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't look like posters of today, which, which is kind of nice. Um, I'm bringing in that, that pseudo retro style into it mm -hmm. um, and kind of, you know, letting the, you know, letting the space and the, um, you know, the design that's already at hand kind of inform those posters. Um, at that point, it was pretty easy for us uh, to kind of jump into something. Uh, at that point, it's really, you know, um, it's less of a design checklist for us as far as working on projects like this. Sure. It's, you know, okay, you got your word mark, you got your icon, like, let's design a menu. Okay, we're done. You know, it's right. really just, um, especially at this point, you know, restaurants take so long to be built and constructed. And you've um, developed a, a good rapport with the owners that you kind of get a feeling of what they'll bite on. And at that right. point, it's really just like, hey, let's, you know, let's pitch a bunch of stuff and see, you know, 
what you know what a land and what people will will take and you know thankfully most of the time people take it all yeah yeah i mean it, when, it, when it comes to restaurants i think as long as uh it doesn't add to the budget they're happy to run with it <laughs> totally um I think that's part of the issue too. A lot of uh, folks starting out, it's really hard to find a restaurant that's properly funded. Yeah. Uh, to do some of these big, big ideas and big thinking. Um, and and uh, you know, obviously, designers inherently have a really hard time walking away from a paycheck, yeah. <laughs> especially when it's just a you know single person studio or such. Um, you know, that was an issue for us for when I first started Vigor, and uh, then at, you know the post recession bigger, which was technically just me for a year or so, um, you know, that was always the toughest thing. It's like, you know, you're scrambling to make ends meet and someone comes with like a $2,000 budget and you're like, oh, God, I guess I'll do it. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. I mean, that's, that's when, you know, bad design almost starts to happen because you're just trying to rush through, tick the boxes and get onto the next one so you can eat. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I think with that, I mean, you know, you do have to you do have to get the the paycheck, and you have to pay people um, at that point. But um, if a project does come on, come along that's you know has a little bit lower of a budget or something mm-hmm. like that, but you know, at the end of the day, you can produce something great. It's kind of a you know this internal struggle. You're like, okay, do we have enough projects to float that um, right. lower budget project, or you know, can we produce something really? cool and not um you know bog down our system for that so it's really Mm -hmm. hard and you know you want to produce something um great for a client and with us it's really hard to say okay well you know you get you know you're paying less you get you know less work you know and we approach every project kind of the same way it's like you know we're gonna do the full system you know no matter what the project is um you know looking at um like the project for tenoshi ramen um you Mm -hmm. had mentioned at, at the beginning here, um, that giant we paste, we, we pitched to the client and said, Hey, we're like, we want to do this. Um, mm-hmm. you know, out of pocket, we printed everything and bought the materials and got in there when they were doing construction. Cause we really, you know, wanted to do something on that wall and, um, they were just going to leave a brick and we thought, Hey, like this would be a really great opportunity to bring some of that branding into the, into the space yeah. without, you know, just slapping a giant logo on there. Um, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that's a struggle too. you know, getting a client to buy into this idea of the system, um, and saying, Hey, like let's inform, you know, the space with some branding, but not over the top, um, logo everywhere, you know? So we brought in that, uh, which ties into the menus and, and other collateral with Tenoshi. And then to a smaller scale, we worked with an interior designer with Dos Santos, um, mm-hmm. to help pick. Uh, some good touch points within the space. So if you look at the tables and the chairs there, uh, some of them are the brand colors. You know, they don't have the the Saint logo on them or this or that. Um, but, you know, the system goes so much further than just the, you know, just the logo and the collateral at that point that you can inform a space without, you know, having any of that branding on there, just using the colors or using um, little things like that to to bring that in. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's where the biggest disconnects um, in our industry really happen. It's uh, this, we do all this work, and by we I mean creatives in general, we'll do all this work on building this brand identity and hopefully rooting it in some sort of strategy. And then parallel path, but never crossing over, you have this interior designer architecture firm who 
either does or doesn't even pay attention to what you're doing. They do their own thing for their own book in their own style. Totally. Uh, running off in a direction and then they may swing back and say okay we're going to add some branding in there and they throw that word around like without meaning and and you get kind of what you were hinting at you just get this logo on a wall or maybe they'll introduce a color into something somewhere but it's so disjointed and so disconnected it's it's heartbreaking when that happens um i personally have been at the very least like you know telling clients I have to be in every architectural meeting. I don't mm-hmm. care if I sit back there and never chime in, but it's important because the decisions that are made in that space, which is essentially the culmination of everything that we're doing, like now they're in a space and they are absorbing this experience and they got this big clunky logo on the wall that clearly shouldn't have a logo on it. Yeah. Uh, just because the architects want to check that box that, okay, now we have branding in here. Congratulations. You know, it's so... Yeah. Uh, it's so rough. Like everything should be built from the same research. You know, we should be sharing mood boards with each other. Um, as far you know, as far as the uh, uh, the architecture interior design firm, like it really needs to be collaborative. And I think that's that's a word they like to say, but a word that I've rarely seen ever backed up and um, follow through on. Um, how do you start to inject yourself or? take hold of that process because you know the interiors for Tenoshi are quite wonderful and that that piece is yeah technically part of the brand identity package but it's very natural in that space totally and so I hate to say it but I don't want to make a blanket term about all architects but some architects we've worked with in the past um, mm-hmm. have decided along the way that they're also graphic designers of course um, <laughs> so um, because you know they took the required class in college to understand you know how to set type but right. um and we've worked with the great architects as well so one architects they're like hey like talk to us figure out where we can you know incorporate the branding and i don't know at what point that becomes the mark of a, a good architect or not or um what i don't want to make any comments about that but uh thankfully with tenoshi um we actually worked um it was an interesting relationship because the um, the owner of the restaurant was also the architect and interior design company. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So they actually own, operate, and design. Um, so with that, we sat down and he- said, hey, like, here's, here's what we think um, you could do with this space. And they, you know, they came back with their mood boards. We came back with ours. And we really just kind of, you know, like two trains headed together, kind of uh, collided and, um, mm-hmm. in the best possible way. Um, each of our designs informed the other um, mm-hmm. in ways that we didn't imagine. You know, um, a lot of people don't want um, input or this or that from from outside sources. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. you say like, you know, a lot of designers are like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, let them dictate what I want to do, or I don't want to let the client dictate the the process of the logo, and, and right. you know, that's a really big disservice because at that point you're you know, you're an expert at what you do or um, a professional at what you do. I mean, I'm kind of reluctant to use the term expert because I think there's always more learning and growing that we can do right. as creatives. But um, they're paying you for their service. Um, are you, they're paying you for your service. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're professional at what they do. Um, so they might have some great insight about what their, you know, the restaurant they're opening or the, the business they're opening Um, so with that, I think it's, we're kind of at a disservice to not really be open-minded to, um, others, 
um, input. So with right. that, I mean, we're always, um, we always want to chat and we always want to talk um, and figure out what the best possible solution is at that point. Um, and we worked with um, a coffee shop that's opening down in Colorado Springs. Uh, met with the architects and picked out colors and picked out you know wood samples and um, you know changed all the fixtures from you know silver to brass because that would inform the brand better. Right. And then brought in some bigger, um, you know, bigger mural things that we weren't going to put in before um, mm-hmm. into the space. So that was really great. You know, that was a really great process. And you know, there's always back and forth with um, with architects and, and interior designers. So yeah. thankfully, there's um, you know, there's some middle ground that you can find and, and produce a really good, um, a really good end result. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think part of it too is is getting the client to realize that there are so many overlaps and getting them to understand again that the brand is not just us designing a logo and see you later. It, it really is so much more, and it, it really inter- uh, intertwines with so many other touch points that to to not be a part of the process is just, uh, it's a recipe for not failure, but, um, not reaching the full potential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, luckily we, we've had, we've had some wins and we've had some losses, I think just, just about like any other studio. Um, the more recent one that we did, uh, is a place in Baltimore called wayward and it was a rebrand. <laughs> it used to be called cowboys and rednecks. So you can just probably get a picture <laughs> of where that was. Yeah. And so, you know, we wanted to keep that Southern grill kind of style, but, uh, the, the, um, the look and feel was really spearheaded by this idea of a boar skull and, you know, notes of gold and uh, hand-drawn elements like uh, with pen and ink. And we started getting that into the uh, interior as well, where it, it informs a lot of the decisions. So we literally had, you know, flat black painted boar skulls with these beautiful gold tusks put on the wall. Um, and then things that are a little bit more subtle, like the type of wallpaper we selected, we then pulled out that pattern into a pattern that can be used on print, so there's some overlap. Um, and I think if those things aren't done, the only way that gets done when you have two vendors working on a project, or partners, I should say, I know we hate that V word, um, is to have absolute collaboration and discussions frequently, not just one onboarding kickoff and then we'll, we'll see you when you have this design kind of thing i just think that's easy for i'll make the blake statements i think most places like to go off into their own little hole and just have their own fun and not not you know not realize that this is a, an important brand piece not just an interior experience that is going to grace their books um so we try to maybe maybe I go about it the wrong way. I'm a little bit forceful about it. It's the <laughs> the northerner in me that kind of gets <laughs> gets going. But um, it's rare that you find someone willing to actually collaborate, not just pay lip service and then you know high five you and see you later. Um, but it looks like a lot of the times you are getting that whether it's collaboration out of the gate. A lot of times what we end up doing is once we get the um, once we get like the designs of the interiors, we start trying to find ways to pull out elements of that interior into our design work. So there is some correlation between either of them, you know? Totally. And I know this is a little bit off topic. It's not a restaurant, but we're working on a, uh, a project now, which is um, designing, you know, a logo and a branding package and interiors um, for a, a condo complex here uh, mm-hmm. in Denver. 
And it was really refreshing because we sat down with an architect and they said, okay, like here's some brick samples. What do you guys want? And we're like, whoa, like this is, <laughs> you know, yeah. this is a little outside of the, the normal conversation. But uh, when a client really <laughs> understands um, the, the value of branding and the value of this, this visual um, component, it's really, mm-hmm. you know, it's really refreshing and, and great for the, for the end result. Yeah, it really is. Um, I think we all as designers need to do a better job of uh, informing clients and and doing, you know, I hate to say education because it's almost demeaning. Like you don't want to be didactic with your approach, but showing them what what could be. Uh, Like you said early on, what you've done in the past really does inform and help guide what you'll do next. I had this conversation uh, honestly yesterday and the day before with a mutual partner of a client out in Louisiana. Um, it's you know it's easy to chase the dollar, but if you rush through something and it comes out shoddy, that's going to set the tone for your next project, and you're going to be behind the eight ball trying to scr- uh, you know scramble to get to the level where Mast is and and uh, where I think Vigor has gotten, and where a lot of other agencies in this game are, where you're able to inform the interiors and you know be the red thread that ties everything together and when that happens it's just absolutely cherry it's 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 perfect um so are there any you know we're coming up on the 30 minute mark are there any last minute pieces of advice for the listeners whether it's client or creative that you want to grace us with oh man i guess i wasn't boring yeah we we made it to the 30 minute mark um (laughs) yeah I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, going that extra mile, whether it is warranted or not. Um, with a lot of our clients, uh, like we touched on a little bit earlier, you know, we develop a full system, you know, whether or not that that budget informs it. And, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, sticky situations you get into because, you know, we all we all need to make our bottom line at the end of the day. But mm-hmm. at, the, at what point do you do you sacrifice a good project? Um for that bottom line. Um, and I would say hopefully never. Um, but you got to think about it like this going, going, you know, further, you have this opportunity that, um, okay, this client's not paying that much, but Mm -hmm. if you can get them to buy into producing some things or getting some, doing a wheat paste or this or that, um, how much can that possibly bring in other work, um, that could make up that, that gap, you know, if it's you know a project that you do for you know a quarter of your budget or a half the budget, you know how many full price projects are coming in at that um, because of that project? Mm-hmm. And you know I just think that a lot of designers kind of get stuck into this idea of you know well they're paying for this so they're going to get less. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that's a that's a struggle we all face, and um, hopefully uh, we're all doing it for the love of the game. Um, and we really want to produce something uh, really great that, you know, lets us shine and kind of lets us flex our muscles a little bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, this client is probably putting forth as much as they possibly can financially to get this brand off the ground. And, you know, they're putting their, you know, they're putting their heart and soul and their savings into this. And I think it, we'd be remiss um, as designers to not, you know, value that you know just because they're not getting to you know what we normally want to charge for a project you know they're putting their you know their savings on the line a lot of the times with these smaller restaurants that we work with you know 
this mm-hmm. is someone's dream that they're you know putting forth and you know say like hey we've saved this much for this um and you know you really responsible for bringing this person's dream to life um right. to not be too like whimsical about it but you really have a lot kind of drop in your lap and a lot we can we can offer um visually so mm-hmm. um you know i i know that we know we as designers know that restaurants are not normally the highest paying so um mm-hmm. we you know we get into it for the love of the game we we want to get these things produced and you know designing matchbooks is fun and you know holding mm-hmm. yeah. holding those tangible pieces is great um so yeah it, it just comes down to that i think you know we need to figure out what our mindset is um and not really just kind of chase that dollar sign um you know which is you know easy to say sometimes and harder to say other times um, yeah it's hard to live your own you know your own mentality I think yeah, that. yeah totally and it's you know you know we're not gonna i'm not gonna like sugarcoat it we do have to you know make our bottom lines but i think where we can make that up with other projects or you know um figuring out ways to to still produce something that's really really nice for a client that they may not have a bigger budget or you know like i said they're sinking their life savings into this thing and you know it's kind of um i don't know it's kind of sour to say okay you're sinking your life savings into that but you know we're going to give you less work or we're not going to treat your project as um you know as exciting to us or as important to us as other projects you know yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think you ever want to get into a situation where you are devaluing somebody because of their budget. Um, I think part of that is doing doing your own vetting of clients too. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it's an opportunity to design something doesn't mean it's the right opportunity. So, if the budget's low, you really have to you really have to look at what will this client one be able to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can design the world, but if they can't even afford to get business cards printed, well, my goodness, like yeah. that's not really going to come off. <laughs> that's not going to go off good for anyone. No, um, you know, and there's that old saying, you know, there are the projects that you do for the book and the ones that you do for the bank. Um, and I think that's you know to sum up what you're saying that that really is true. But do make sure that the client that you take on that doesn't have as big a budget will and can produce what you need them to produce and part of that is you being creative as well i think on um how how things get uh, actually get produced like you said the wheat paste wall relatively low cost it's not like we had someone come in there and custom paint that mural for 10 grand um you know it was it was a great solution for a a great idea and it really you know it it fit it fit perfectly in, in my eyes at least um so that's great where can people find you and Mast uh, on online and so on and so forth. This is your chance to give some plugs. Yeah, um, our website is just studiomast.co. Um, you can find us on. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, our Twitter's just at Studio Mast. Um, Instagram is at Studio Mast Co. Um, just because someone's holding on to Studio Mast with zero posts, so that's kind of yeah, frustrating. I know. I, know where, I know where you're at, man. I accidentally gate, let uh, at Vigor on Instagram go. I, I changed it over to a more of a personal profile, like an idiot, and now there's an at Vigor, and they post nothing. They just hold on to it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's very frustrating, you know, trying to get, get that brand consistency throughout. Yeah. But, yeah, um, can find us there. Um, I think that's about it. I mean... That's the majority of our social accounts, um, Instagram, 
Twitter. We have a Facebook, but um, that's not as updated as frequently as Instagram is. And yeah, Facebook's old hat, man. We're, yeah. we're done with it. <laughs> we haven't. I think I think I started it because we needed it for a location tag because yeah. Instagram changes their policies on location tags every three days. So it used right, to be. Right you know, Foursquare and then all these other things. And now you have to have a Facebook to be a legitimate business, I guess. Yeah, it's it's silly uh, keeping up with that stuff. Yeah. Um, you guys can also check out Mass's work on gritsandgrids.com. And please do follow us on Instagram and Twitter at gritsgrids um, for all the latest news, podcasts, posts, and anything glorious I can get my hands on. Um, thank you once again for tuning in and uh, we'll be talking to you next week y'all have a good one